The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. This is Sarah with The Birth Circle, and today I have Julie here with me, and Julie has uh, just finished a surrogacy, and so I'm very, very excited to ask her all of the questions, and um, bar none, right? Like, you'll let me ask you anything, right? Yep, you can ask whatever (laughs) you want. (laughs) Oh my goodness, I'm so excited. Okay, so um, go ahead and start. Like, where did you... I met you at the very, very beginning of this journey, so let's start way back even before I met you, and and how you decided to become a surrogate. Okay, there's a couple phases to the story. So I first contemplated it when my sister delivered my nephew. Her water broke at 24 weeks because she has a bicornate uterus. That's and a heart-shaped they, uterus? Yes. So he was born super early. She ended up delivering at 28 weeks. So Ooh. she was able to stay pregnant for about a month after her water broke, but he was super, super early. And they said if she got pregnant again, that the same thing would happen. So I was always like, hey, I've got a uterus. I assume it works. I hadn't had kids at this point. I was like, <laughs> I'll carry your babies. <laughs> and then she decided at that point that she was just good with the one. And he's like 14 years old now almost. So, But that I kind think- of planted the idea in your mind that I could carry somebody's babies. Yeah, especially like a nephew. Yeah, for sure. And then fast forward to after I had my second child. I've only got two, but it was after my last one. And I photographed a surrogacy birth story. Mm -hmm. And that was awesome. So I ended up becoming pretty good friends with the surrogate at that who who carried that baby. And I didn't meet her until the day of the birth. But watching the parents meet their baby was pretty life changing. So she kind of is the one who was like, well, this is what you want to do if you want to if you want to carry. So she's the one who Oh, so you got to talk to her afterwards and kind of ask her questions and you just didn't go into this like, oh, I think it sounds cool. You want somebody to kind of... Yeah, she there, there's a lot of Facebook groups too and stuff that I got a ton of information from, but she's the one who pointed me in the direction of all the different resources and things like that, so... Are there a lot of resources? Uh, A lot of it was self-research, but like Facebook groups ended up being awesome because the laws between each state are very different. So we had to like, we've got a a Utah group specifically Mm -hmm. that we could go on and learn because our laws are different than California's laws or New York's laws. So you could talk to past surrogates, parents, things like that, and ask all the questions and they could point you in the direction of the right attorneys to see and things like that. So cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. So you decided you want to be a surrogate. Now what? Um, we contemplated it for about another year before doing anything about it. Now we is you and your husband, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if he really took me seriously all the times that I was like, <laughs> hey, I think I want to be a surrogate because this has been talked about quite a bit. And then after the birth, I was like, okay, I really want to be a surrogate. And he's like, okay, yeah, we'll see what That's happens cute. with it. That's so cute. Yeah. And then about a year later, um, there was a girl who posted online saying that she was looking for a surrogate. And I was like, hey. I'm interested in surrogacy. Let's chat. So, Oh, a, a parent looking yes. for somebody to yes. surrogate. Okay. So did you, is that who ended up using no. surrogacy board? No. We met up and we decided, we, we talked about all the important topics that everybody online had said that you need to. Oh, what are those? Oh, <laughs> the biggest one is probably like termination clauses and things like that. Oh. And then like how much involvement the parents want to have and if they have any specific 
guidelines that they want the surrogate to follow beyond just whatever okay, so the reproductive like I know center recommends. If an adoption, it's basically whatever the mom wants because she's placing her baby. The 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 intended parents pay a lot of the medical bills and stuff, but they don't have a lot to say in terms of how the baby's born, where the baby's born medical care or anything like that, right? Correct. It's, it's all the birth mother. She gets to decide all that. Mm-hmm. But with surrogacy, it's different, right? Yes. Tell me some of the differences. So the parents always get a say in everything, and that's kind of how they choose their surrogate. So somebody who, like I went into it saying like, hey, I've had a medicated birth in the past. I like the midwifery model of care. So if everything's mm-hmm. low risk, this is kind of how I like to birth. And are you comfortable with that? And this person said that they were and things like that. So... So like if you said, I want to have, I'll only have a home birth, but your intended parents only want a C-section, you're not probably a good match. No, definitely not. Okay. And it is harder to find like parents who are supportive of home births and yeah, things like that. Yeah, I'm just like giving so, you like a yes. polarized example. But <laughs> yes. yeah, so you got to talk about expectations to make sure that you're not put in an uncomfortable position for with your own body because you want to serve. Basically, they're hiring you, right? This is a... I hate to look at it as a business <laughs> transaction, but... It's their baby, and they, they yeah. do get a say in, at least they should have a say in some of it. But it's also like my body, so. So what was important to you? I wanted, as assuming everything was low risk, I did want to have a midwife who I had used in the past. And I would have liked a birth center birth, but I was not completely sold on that one way or the other. Like it wasn't you a... You could go either way. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... We ended up with twins, so that didn't so happen. not a birth center. Birth. Yeah, not a birth center. <laughs> yeah. So. Cool. All right. So then um, tell me how you found your your inten- intended parents. Did you, did, like, tell me the whole story. Okay. So the girl who I had initially met online, we had gotten through, like, we'd, we you both are required to have a lawyer, and they draft contracts, and then you go back and forth on different things. Like our contract is like 70-plus pages long. It's huge. Wow. And it goes over like every single thing they expect and what would happen if A, B, or C happens, and this is what we do. So if like one of the things in it is like if the baby ends up having like some sort of birth defect, what do the parents want to do? What is the surrogate comfortable with? Things like that. So you have to go back and forth. And then there's always financial things in there and – some people will put in like, I don't want you to eat this, this, or this, or I don't want you to travel more than this far from the hospital. Like in this contract mm. in particular, it was like, we don't want you more than 25 miles from the hospital after 24 weeks, which cool. was not very reasonable for me. Oh, <laughs> I travel all over like the Salt Lake Valley and into Utah County and things like that. So I was like, that's that's not going to happen. So but you have to be very upfront and open at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I can't just sign something oh, and then not stick with it. Oh, 25 miles from a hospital, but they wanted you the hospital. The hospital. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's hard. Yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> well, okay. So it didn't end up working out with them. We ended up parting ways after I had started medications. And it was due to a difference in our views on when we would or would not terminate a pregnancy. So we had very differing views, which we had thought, like we had talked about pretty in depth up front when we initially met, but once it was came written out in the papers, pri- yes, yeah. it was very different than what we had initially talked about, what I found in the paperwork. And so you just, yeah, great. So you parted ways and then... So this was a couple days before we were supposed to transfer our embryo. So I'd already been on so you all of the hormones. So you were in a super good mood. Yes. I was, I was <laughs> uh, weeks and weeks of doing this injections. This is where I'll just interject. And, and this is right when I met Julie. And oh my goodness. I mean, you think pregnancy hormones like are hard right before an implantation. That's, I mean, they're hard. 
you are you are really really feeling those hormones. Well, and it, it's just an emotional time uh-huh. too. Like we had built this thing up. We had all put like so much effort into it. They had put financial resources into it. And I put all this time. You have to go to tons and tons of doctor's appointments yeah. multiple times a week, take all of these medications and things like that. So it felt really bad to have to part ways, but it ultimately was the right decision for us. Mm-hmm. So doesn't make it easy. It didn't make it no. easy at all. Still no fun. So we had been using a fertility center up in the Salt Lake Valley and we had a coordinator who, she's the one who like tells you when to start medications and mm-hmm. what days you need to come in and monitors everything. So she's like our, our go-between person. So at this point I called her, yes. So at this point I called her up and I was like, you know, it's not working out. This is what's going on. I don't think I can, I can carry for this couple. And she's like, yes, you're right. This is not a good match. You should, we, we should not be doing this. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm done. And she's like, well, I have this couple I'd really like you to meet. And she's like, how do you feel about a same sex couple? And I was like, I'd love to meet them. And she knew all of my views on what I was willing to do and not do. And She knew you were way- absolutely not for twins. Absolutely <laughs> non-negotiable, no twins. That That's true. That yes. is initially <laughs> what I had said. I was not carrying twins. See how cute the story is. <laughs> <laughs> but she also knew like the, like kind of my views on birth and yeah. that I kind of wanted mm-hmm. a more holistic approach. And she knew my views on like when we would and wouldn't terminate and like what what parent like what I yeah, want. Yeah, so she could really find a good family for you because she knew your views and she was And I wanted some, like a family who was going to be involved. I didn't want it to just be a business transaction from far away and like we never meet and just hand over the baby at the birth That's kind of important a thing. to you too. Mm-hmm. It was very important. I wanted a, a relationship, somebody who you could wanted to go to appointments to. Yeah. and like almost bond with their babies throughout pregnancy. For sure. So and she's like, I've got the perfect couple for you. So she set it up and we went to lunch and it's like blind dating, but the first time you meet, I'm like, Oh, awkward. Sorry. I want to have your babies. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) It was very interesting. So it was the the two dads and my husband and I, and I was going over like, what do I wear to such a meeting kind of a thing? It was, it was exactly (laughs) like dating. (laughs) I remember what I was wearing that day. Just sit in that awkwardness for a minute. Hi, and what do you order? And like, how do you? Yeah, because you also don't. I'm like, do I order a cheeseburger? I don't want him to think like I'm unhealthy (laughs) and I just eat garbage all the time because I don't. But (laughs) but but but, you know, yeah, that's so funny. Okay, so I obviously the first date was awesome. It was. Okay, it was very cool. I got into the car (laughs) in the parking lot and I looked at my husband. I was like, well, when is too early to (laughs) say I want to have your baby? And at this point, I had also said, I'm only having one baby. Yes. Like, I'm only transferring mm-hmm. one embryo. Yeah. And they were like, okay, yeah, we're, we're good with that. So. Wow. I gave it a good, like, six minutes. hours, I oh, think. Oh, six hours. Oh, It whoa. was hours. Wow. It was hours before I was like, Before okay. you call them up, I'm like, hey, I'm ready to and have And it was all baby. through text message. I, I, oh, you I, sent him the text Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. But it was like. Such you, a funny age. You, like, stare at your phone and you're like, is this how I phrase this? Like, what do I say? It <laughs> was exactly like. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so uncomfortable right now. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, oh my goodness. Okay, so of course they were ecstatic because you let them know that that you would love to be their surrogate. Yes. I mean, what words? What words were there? They what, were what like, also, well, it, it, I, I, you can't really tell how ecstatic people are, but it was like, oh, we want you to carry our baby too. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's how we started this relationship. Okay. Yeah. So then, how fast after that did you do the? 
You know, I did. <laughs> and I might be like getting my time frames wrong, but I want to say it was like a few days before I heard back from him. Like we were kind of talking oh, with our coordinator. Awful. That's really stressful. I could be wrong, but I want, it, it seemed like a lifetime at the time, I guess. When I was like, are Maybe we doing it was this? Like seven are hours. We? It might have been. <laughs> but it was like the, are we doing this? Are we not doing this? Am I having a baby this year for two other people? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So. And you had, um, so you had stopped the hormones with the other um, family. And so now you were completely, like, you'd have to start over from ground zero, right? I was still on hormones because, like, after you build up, like, so all the medications they give you to begin with, like, build up your uterine lining so that you can implant the embryo and have it stick. So after that, they have to, like, force a period. So they're giving you more hormones, a different type to try and get everything to shed. And so I was, I was still on hormones when I met them, but it was like leftover from the first cycle. Mm-hmm. So so you revved it back up and then... Yeah. So we went a couple weeks, got everything in order that way. Tell me about the procedure. The actual IVF procedure? Well, like, okay, maybe or, not that many details, but like, so... Like leading up to it? Yeah. Like, you, you still had to work with their lawyer then and you had to do another set of paperwork, but this oh. time it went a little more smoothly or what kind of... What were the hiccups that you experienced? Okay. So after the first... Like, I, I got all the hormones out, had a period, shedded the lining, and then they start you on hormones again. So we got right into it pretty fast after that. In fact, one of the, the dads, <laughs> we, were, we were keeping updated on how all of this was going. And I remember one of them saying, like, I've never been so excited to hear of a female starting her cycle before. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. So, yes, we're texting about my period. So oh, Super warm and fuzzy. Yes. So we did that. And at this time, we were also going through with our attorneys and paperwork and contracts and stuff like that. So they send over a copy of what they like and expect from a pregnancy. And then my, my attorney reviewed it and sent it back. And it was, this one was pretty easy. Cool. There wasn't very much back and forth. We had talked pretty in depth beforehand Mm -hmm. and they had been, they had already gone through this process with multiple surrogates as well. Oh, really? Like they had been turned down by a whole bunch. They had been through the legal with others whose lining didn't do what it was supposed to. So mm. we'd both been through the process before. Both had gone through contracts. So it was it was a lot easier for us. Mm-hmm. All right. So that pregnancy test came positive. You did first time stick? Yeah. Very sticky babies so first time? I had to go through multiple rounds of hormones with this couple because my lining was just like, I'm done. You already made me rev up last time. Yeah, so so it kind of just like punked out and didn't do what it was supposed to. So we went through and did two rounds, and then it's still like the the second time, it still didn't do quite what it was supposed to. So our IVF doctor, yeah, she told us that we could just give it like a Hail Mary and just go for it anyways. And at this point, they had decided they wanted two to carry for to do twins and they were pretty set on that and I was like well I really like this family I guess we'll do twins so yeah I missed that whole part of the story I, <laughs> yeah I heard the beginning and then the whole, then the next thing I heard you were announcing twins and I was like I'm pretty sure she said she'd never do twins like over her dead body type oh never do twins yeah that was definitely so, how it was and but they took out for ice cream and wooed you no, I, <laughs> I don't know I don't know well, yeah I don't I don't know how but there was definitely an emotional connection you had an emotional connection with the with these parents. Yes. Like, I, I knew that they were mm-hmm. like, and I wouldn't have gone through the matching again. If it didn't work out with them, I was not going to do done. it. It was, mm-hmm. there were so many ups and downs emotionally and physically with all of the hormones and stuff that I was like, I can't do this. So yeah. Yeah. if it wasn't working out with them, it wasn't, I wasn't going to do it. Yeah. Then, okay. So I'm going to make it really awkward here for a minute. Okay. Um, because some, like some would assume that the only reason you do a surrogacy is for the money. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely what a lot of people think, but that had that that was not even 
at all what it was. Not do it for the money. No, I didn't do it do for the money. Do some surrogates, surrogates do it for the money? I think some people go into it initially for the money, but don't end up going through it for the money. Just like leading up to like right, all the you? appointments and everything that it, it takes to yeah. get pregnant. It shouldn't be this hard. And the emotional and the... Yeah. You, you learn real quick that it's not about, not about the, money. the money. And if that's why people are going into it. I like to think most of them don't end up going through with it just because it takes so much time, mm-hmm. energy, emotion, everything. And it's not just me. It's my whole family. Like this so. is the ultimate gift. You're giving a family their babies. Like this, I can't think of anything more sacred, <laughs> like the ultimate gift. And so how can you take the ultimate gift and put a price tag on it? It's just, it doesn't seem like it makes sense. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> so obviously you didn't do it for the money. Um, so, but I'm curious, how much do they usually pay surrogates? <laughs> you know, it varies greatly. Like some surrogates don't do it for any money. They'll just do it for like the costs and expenses oh, wow. kind of a thing. So mm-hmm. like the parents would pay for all of the medications and things like that. And then like, and then some people, up. yeah. yeah and then other people like, I, I don't know how much, like some people like it, you'll see online like $80,000, which I do not think is the norm by any means. Mm, that's but, pretty high. Yeah, Utah is definitely not like that. So it kind of ranges. Yes, greatly. And then like first-time surrogates make less than second. Like sometimes people who have done it multiple times and have lots of experience in it and like... Because you have a proven womb. You have a proven womb. And it's also (laughs) like, you know, I know what the contract phase is like. I know what this does. Like it it makes everything so much more seamless when they know what they're getting into that way. So... Is there ever a danger of a surrogate? Like contractually, you're not allowed to like change your mind once that baby's growing you can't like decide oh, i'm going to keep the baby or i'm going to abort the baby like you're contractually obligated right you know it depends on where well yes we we have a very s- strict contract and it's has to be approved by the court system and everything like that before this is serious it business. is and utah is actually a really good place as far as our laws go to protect the surrogate as well as the parents so but it's not uh the same as an adoption it, it's very different than adoption there's no no point that i could be like i've changed my mind I'm keeping these babies because they were yeah, never... Yeah, they're not your babies. They're not my babies. Yeah, and you're not... Okay, so with surrogacy, there's a couple different kinds. There's traditional surrogacy, right, where you use the mother's egg and then a sperm donor or the couple's sperm, right? Correct. And in Utah, that's actually not allowed. Like, legally, right. so you legally can't do in that. Utah, you can't do that. So in Utah, you can either use... You have to use the woman's, the intended parent's egg or an egg donor and then the inter- intended parent's sperm or an in- or a sperm donor... To create the embryo. Correct. Right. So these are not biologically your children at all. Nope. Nope. So, yeah, there was was never a point that, like, I could change my mind. And they also knew that, like, these are their children. The court has said these are their children as soon as they're born. Mm -hmm. And And it also went into it, like, okay, I should probably backtrack. Because when we were going through our contract phase, the Utah Supreme Court was trying to change the Utah surrogacy laws. Oh, dear. Against couples who are the same sex. So it used to be illegal in the state of Utah for a same-sex couple to use a surrogate. But then when um, they marriage, marriage, yes, mm-hmm. then that all changed. So because the way the law is written is it has to be a married couple unable to conceive a child of their own. Oops. Yeah. Then can have so. a child. So like a single person can't use a surrogate in Utah according oh, okay. to how the law in was. Utah. But now, mm-hmm. yes, but now how it was changed or the law was changed then. So they were trying to backtrack and, and make it. Oh, yes. so you got all caught up in this legal. So yes. what, did that so affect they, this process? It kind of did. So for the parents, they, they'd been together for years, but had not 
gotten married yet. They had their grand spring wedding planned. But when this came into effect, they had to get married in order for mm. us to – for our contracts to be validated and stuff through the court. So they hurry and rushed and got their marriage license and all of that done. And then at this point, there was – at least I know of at least one judge who was not validating contracts in the state. So it was saying like – they may not be the parents. It's not like initially as soon as the babies are born, these are their parents, their names are on the birth certificate. This judge was saying like, nope, that's not how we're going to do it. So he was not validating the contracts even though everybody had signed and everybody was on the same page. So were you were you pregnant at this point or still validating? No, I think we were still. Still, okay. I, I think it was No stress we were, or anything. It was, oh yeah. my gosh. Plus all the hormones that you're on. <laughs> Man, you are a trooper. <laughs> so, but the, the law is still what it was. So yeah. luckily it has not passed. That change hasn't passed. Yeah. So. so, okay. So you got pregnant and did you have like, um, did you, you knew that it was, it's a boy girl, right? It's a boy and a girl. Yeah. Um, so did you know from the start that it was boy and girl or did you have like any kind of we did. So they knew. Pregnancy beca- test party. I'm just thinking any excuse to bring ice cream into this. <laughs> there was definitely some ice cream, at least initially, because after after the transfer, they put you on like a, a modified bed rest. They call it your princess days where you just get to princess sit around days. and stress about if you're pregnant or not <laughs> yeah. and watch TV. And they're like, take it really easy and be really calm. And I'm like, do my boobs hurt yet? Am I feeling pregnant? Like, <laughs> That's awesome. And how many hours after transfer can I take a pregnancy test? So I had my Amazon hours. cart full of like 100 pregnancy tests. And I started taking them the next day. Like, 12 hours later, I'm peeing on the sticks and stuff, so. Um, okay. <laughs> Super excited. <laughs> yeah, my husband was a little annoyed with that. I'm, like, taking them apart and, like, holding them in the light, trying to see if there was the second line. Like, okay, so how really fast insane. did you get it? I want to say I got the first one, like, three days after transfer. It was pretty fast. Really? Yeah, and I've got it written down somewhere, like, with a picture of all of the pregnancy tests, exactly how many hours apart. But it wasn't dark enough that I was convinced. Yeah. It was like, maybe it's, like, an evaporation line or something like yeah. that. So the next morning, I took more. And it was starting to get darker. So I was pretty excited to tell the parents. And I was like, how do I tell them? So uh, probably with a text message, right? Because that's how this relationship goes. <laughs> no, Dude. not at this point. I because that was actually something I thought about like back beforehand. I was like, this is like a really exciting yeah. thing. Like I want to make it special and everything. So I showed up uh, we my husband, my son, and I, we went over to their house and brought him a cute book and a pregnancy test and a baggie. <laughs> In a baggie. In a baggie, okay. yeah. Good. Well, there was pee on it. Yeah. <laughs> Not that intimate yet. <laughs> okay, cool. So um, was the pregnancy pretty pretty easy? You know, did, did you feel like a princess the whole time? No. Unfortunately, princess days wear off, and you have oh. to eventually get up and start doing things again. And Because you have two small kids. How old are your kids? My son was four when we transferred, just barely four, and my daughter was seven. So still time. pretty active. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, maybe my son was three. He was either so three still or four. Bitty. Yeah, he was little. Yeah. And so your princess days are over. Did you get like because you never have carry twins? No. And so did you like feel more sick? Did you like what instantly? Was your... It was like a week later, and I started vomiting, and like the morning sickness kicked in really fast and really, really hard. hard. Yeah. And then we ended up, and this was another one of those text message things. But I, like I started bleeding like. <gasps> A few weeks oh, in, no, like no, after no, our no, positive no, no, test no, 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 and stuff, but it was before we got like heartbeat confirmation. So like the pregnancy test kept getting darker, which were like, yay, great sign. They're they're implanted, yeah. like things are growing, they're doing what they're supposed to. And we still didn't know if it was twins. We didn't have heartbeat or anything at this point. So 
they ended up somehow getting like our fertility doctor's like cell phone number and our coordinator's cell phone number. Like not very many people have their doctor's phone mm-hmm. numbers, but they were texting with her. And so they got us in for an ultrasound like the next morning. They're like, come in as soon as we open and we'll do an ultrasound. So we went in and we're able to see like the twins and the heartbeats and stuff like that. And it was just a subchorionic hematoma. So it's like one of those take it easy, pelvic rest kind of a things and hope it Great. resolves. Wow. So... Cool. Okay. So tell me, like, what was your relationship with the intended parents during your pregnancy? It was awesome. They went to basically all the appointments. They, they, they were there for our family. It was. Yeah. It's just what you wanted, right? Yeah. Because you'd wanted a relationship with them. Yeah. You don't intend to parent these children. They are not your children. You don't want to be seen as their mother. No. But you wanted to to know who you were caring for, right? And Definitely. And it was so fun for me to watch them get excited about it. Like they started ordering helped, baby products. Yeah, I was and say, like do you think it helped them nursery. bond with their babies to be able to bond with you? And I hope so, but honestly, I don't know. It's not your I story. don't know how that, yeah. that affected them. I like to think that You they, like to think, yeah. Yeah. Let's completely project because that's super healthy. <laughs> yes. Let's yeah, project what we think they felt. <laughs> cool. Okay, cool. So then tell me about like, uh, did you just give birth naturally? Did you go into labor or? Well, I bled on and off throughout the whole pregnancy. Oh, that's so we stressful. were always in labor and delivery or at the hospital or something. So first it was really hard to find a super awesome OBGYN. Because suddenly, like, I'm like, I can't see midwives anymore. I had called around to a whole bunch of different ones, even ones who had done twins before. And they're like, for insurance reasons or MFM, somebody won't let us take twin clients anymore. So finding an OBGYN who was supportive of an unmedicated birth, which... I really wanted to oh, avoid a C-section. Oh, you did want an unmedicated vaginal twin birth. I did, surrogacy. if at all possible. Like okay. I knew, like obviously, like going into it, if you have twins, the risk of a C-section is dramatically yeah, higher. Sure. But I was like, if I can find a good supportive provider, my chances of that are going to be significantly. And your less. dads were totally supportive of a yeah, a, they were unmedicated vaginal birth. Yep, they were fine with it as long as everything was safe. Yeah. They were just kind of like, you've done this before, and we trust your womb. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So fine. We we interviewed quite a few doctors. The first one we went to, I sat in the office and cried as she was telling me, like, because we went in and we're like, this is where we're at. And the parents were there and I was there. My husband didn't go, but I was like, if everything's low risk and we don't know if how it will be at the end, but if everything goes as planned, this is how we want to do it. And she just shot down all of the ideas. And she was supposed to be one of the doctors who were like, oh. holistic, who was like, the doulas were recommending me to. So I was like, oh no, if she's going to say no to all of this, then I can't imagine what other people are going to do. So two of the, like, I wanted the parents to be there. Because it's their babies. They should yeah. be there for the birth of their babies. Yeah, if they wanted sure. to be there, I wanted them there. But all of the OBGYNs require you birth in an OR if you're having twins, even if it's not a C-section. And then the hospitals have policies on who's allowed in the OR. Oh, my gosh. So this so, is just a policy storm here. It, it was a... so many policies. And I was like, and I want a doula, and I want a photographer. And the so suspense I was... is killing me because I actually don't know this story. <laughs> And so I'm like, okay. And yeah. I was like, I was like the problem client because I'm like, I want all of these things and... <laughs> Not the problem client. I'd call you the empowered client. You knew what you wanted. I did. I did know what I want. So even like from like the point of like, okay, we at least want the parents to be back there. I want both of them. I don't want to have to choose. They should be able to be back there. Unless there's like, it's an emergency. They would make you pick one or the other. That's cool. Well, because they only allow like one person in. So I know of a lot of of surrogates who have either let their husband come back or one of the parents. Like they'll be like, the mom can come back or something like that. Oh, No, no. Like they should be able to watch each other become parents too. Because that's special. Like watching your your significant other become a parent for the first time. Mm So, so this, did you win? This first OBGYN was like, well, they can watch from a window. And I was like, no, no like they, yeah, they should no. be there. So eventually we did find an OBGYN. You didn't actually ask her if you could do like skin to skin, right? Because that would have probably. 
No, but I was asking for like delayed cord clamping and things like that. (laughs) So we're like, how does that work with twins? And can they cut the cords? And can they catch the babies? I know that was at one point brought up too. So can they catch babies? It depends on who your OBGYN is. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's very, very OB specific. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so... um... Did we ended, you find ending? Yes, I ended up finding a good OBGYN who was awesome with us. So I also, it was also like having to ask around a lot about finding an LGBTQ friendly OBGYN because we are in Utah and there is a lot of prejudice that way. And I didn't want that brought into the birth space at all. For sure. They mm-hmm. needed to be comfortable. Everybody did. So there was that as well. So you found, <laughs> you found your dream OB? We did. We found the dream OB. She was awesome with us. Awesome. Yeah. So then did you go into labor or were these planned? Did you... Sorry, so many questions. <laughs> so we found her at, I want to say it was like three months in. And so we saw her through the remainder of the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. We were in and out of labor and delivery. And so it was like our 34-week appointment, I want to say. And at this point, I think we were going like, it was either once a week or twice a week. It was probably twice a week. And they had decided to do the steroid injections at that last appointment. Yeah, they probably check, a good idea. Huh? Yeah, and so they're like, we're going to do this one. But she she also checked, like, to see if I was dilated or anything at this point. She's like, everything's great. Like, you're doing perfect. We'll but let's do, do the, the injection Yeah, anyway. let's do the injection. Come back tomorrow for the second one. I was like, awesome. So went about our day as normal. I was texting with them that night. I took my daughter to a concert. It's like super chill. It was Lindsey Sterling. We were seeing, like, symphony-type yeah. music and yeah. sitting down and stuff and no signs of labor whatsoever. And then everybody went to bed. And at three o'clock in the morning, I'm like, oh, darn, my water, or I, I wet my bed, is what I was thinking. I was like, I guess this is just what happens when you're pregnant. You just wet yourself oh, a dear. lot. So <laughs> laying in bed, I'm like, I don't really want to get up. So finally I get up and I'm like still wetting myself all the way to the bathroom. And you're like, mm, this isn't. It took I... me like 20 minutes to decide. A little like, slow. I think my water <laughs> probably did break. Oh, shoot. Yeah. So you had 34 weeks at this point. Yes. And we've had the first steroid injection. And oh, yeah. So I go and wake up my husband. I'm like, I think my, I think water, my water broke. I think we need to get like, and we, we weren't packed. I didn't have anything ready no, for the hospital. No, because you're 34 weeks and everything was fine. Yeah. Like less than 24 hours earlier, everything was good. So mm-hmm. I was trying to call the parents at this time too. And we had talked about them having their phones on. We, we did you talk about that? We did talk about uh-huh. that, and their <laughs> they, phones were not on. Well, so I'm like calling them like over and over and over again, dozens of times, and it's like three thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. So of course they're sleeping. And finally, one of them answered, and I was like, "Are you ready to meet your babies?" So oh dear. Okay, yeah. so you raced to the hospital because had labor started at that point. I was having some contractions, but nothing intense. But my last labor was like less than two hours. Mm, so I so knew like there was move. potential mm-hmm. to go really fast. And we also didn't know like positioning the day before they were both head down, but that can change fast. Yeah. When yeah. When they're that little. When they're that little. So, I, and I also didn't know if they were going to try and stop labor being as early as yeah. I was. I was like, I don't know what the plan is. So Just everybody got the there. Hospital, everybody got to the yeah. hospital. What they decide. And they decide, what? they're like, no, we're not holding off. Like you've had the first steroid injection. They're over 34 weeks. Yeah, okay. We just deliver. So did you get your vaginal birth? I got my vaginal birth. Unmedicated? Unmedicated. Wow. Yeah. So call our doula there, call our birth photographer there, and they let us labor in the room. And I had the best nurse in the whole world who like would do counter pressure and she was holding because they wanted both babies on monitors, but we didn't want to do internal monitoring no. if at all possible. So yeah. this awesome nurse was like holding two, two monitors, monitors to your big and belly. like doing counter pressure at the same time because That's she was acrobatic. that awesome. Yeah. She was so good. Wow. So, so how long was your labor? Uh, my water broke around 3, 3.30 in the morning, somewhere between there. And the first one was born at 8.08. So pretty less fast. than five hours. Yeah, and you hadn't had contractions when your water broke out. It's no. still pretty fast. Yeah, and they were both posterior. 
So that was extra fun. <laughs> extra fun. But they were just little squids, little little tiny S- things, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of them was four and a half pounds. Baby A was four and a half pounds, and baby B was six and a half pounds. Wow. So big enough when they're facing the is wrong that direction like, that it is not a pleasant seems, experience. Yeah, no. <laughs> it seems like that's a big difference in baby size. Do you think something like, do you think that contributed to the early labor? Is the difference in size? They had, like, they, they did a lot of uh, ultrasounds and were monitoring how the babies were growing. Oh, so they knew like they were so different they knew, sizes? Yeah, but we didn't realize it was that big of a difference. Uh, and then they also said, like, you can have a vaginal birth if baby A is within 20% size-wise of baby B. Yeah. So which, so baby A came out first? Yes. And then they did Primed not. The and that was also, like, we thought baby B was coming first. Like, we thought the baby boy was going to come first based off of the ultrasound when I was in labor. So they kind of switched places while I was laboring. Wow. Like, who was coming out first? So when she was born, it was a big surprise. We're like, oh, it's the uh-huh. girl. <laughs> wow, cool. So they were born right into their daddy's arms? No, our doctor caught. Okay. <laughs> and, and she was born first, and she was just tiny, so... The dads got to cut the umbilical cord, and then she went into the NICU. They passed her through to yeah, like, she's a little bitty. window. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was tiny. And then it took like 45 minutes before baby B was born. Wow. Yeah. And it's you're in the OR, and so, there's like, this was not like the Zen birth, like the birth of my own children with like, you've got- Well, that was actually my next question. Yeah. Like, like, how did this compare? There's so many people in an OR when you're having twins. Oh, they have, okay. So you did get permission to have both dads there and your husband in the OR- with a vaginal birth. Yeah. So my doctor was awesome. She went like to like the head people at the hospital and got it cleared beforehand so we wouldn't run into any issues. And we got nice. it cleared that the dads could be in the OR and my doula could be in the OR. And she had it all written down. Oh, and perfect. so we got to the hospital and everybody's going back to the OR and they're throwing like the little paper suits that everybody uh-huh. gets to wear at people. And they're like, wait, there's four people going back. And they're like, yeah, we've got it all cleared. So there's my husband, my doula and the two dads. And they're like, no, 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 we don't have it cleared for three. And they did not realize I was married at the time. Oh. <laughs> so they're like, who is this guy? I'm like, yeah, he's with me. <laughs> oh, did we miss that part in the entire story that this is, that you were a married couple doing a circusy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess that was that a big surprise assumed. to people at That's the, to at me. the time. So, <laughs> and so I don't he, us- did he get to go back to the R? Then? He did, but they did not let my doula come back. Oh, so like the dad's, had taken a childbirthing class with me, and they learned all about counter Oh, my pressure. gosh. That's adorable. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty awesome. We took a 12-week Bradley Method class. Oh, my goodness. So they learned all about natural childbirth, and it was probably a little bit too hippie at times for them. But, <laughs> but they got to be your doulas then, huh? Yeah. So they, they were doing counter pressure, and everybody at some point was squeezing my hips and my butt and fanning me. Everybody with, got to touch your butt. Everybody all got right. to touch my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a party. Okay. <laughs> Cool. So did they have any respiratory issues or anything being born that early? They both ended up in the NICU on, just on CPAP. Mm-hmm. And one of them was there, I think it was five days and the other was seven or maybe it was Wow. Like, so not very long at all. No. one. I think the longest was seven. So did you breastfeed? And I pumped mm-hmm. and I pumped for three months. Oh, fun times. It, it was <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. But I was able to supply them with like all of the breast milk that they needed for the first three months. So that was pretty Beautiful. cool. Was and that in your contract? It wasn't. You just wanted to do that? It w- Well, it was saying like, if we decide to do that, then here's what we would do. Like here's A, B, and C, which it was never decided yes or no beforehand. But I was like, well, they're early. They probably need mm-hmm. it. So I did. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. So was there anything else at the birth that, that was 
different or? So after the babies were born, then the placentas start coming. And one of the placentas came out and it was whole and looked healthy and good. And then the second one wouldn't. It, so they had to go in and we're trying to scrape it out and everything. At this point, I'm hemorrhaging quite a bit. And oh, I was still unmedicated at the time. We didn't have an anesthesiologist oh, in there. <laughs> so that was kind of kind of scary. And she like the doctor kicked everybody out and was like, you guys all have to go. So the dads went out. My husband went out. And at oh. this point, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go to sleep now. I'm ready to go to sleep. And so she got sleep. an anesthesiologist in there. And one of my IVs wasn't working. So I had to <gasps> end up placing another one and stuff. But Did they I just... ended up losing like 1,800 cc's of blood at the birth. And Is that how many you have in your body? I mean, I don't remember. Somebody but... <laughs> told me it was half, but I don't know. Half of your blood yeah. you lost. So Did I you have to up... have a diff- uh, transfusion? No. Really? Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. So you probably woke up with a really great headache. I, I I was feeling kinda kinda not right after the birth. So oh. they, they wheeled me back and I woke up in the room and thought everything was good. So, so they were able to, to scrape and clean everything out or did you have to have a DNC or what? They, what they did a DNC at the hospital at uh-huh. that time and, and uh they did like ultrasound ultrasound to see if like anything was left in there. Which they're like, We think we got it all, everything's good. And then Five weeks after that, I ended up having a secondary postpartum hemorrhage. Five was, weeks? Yeah, and I was passing, like, clots the size of baseballs, so that's when <gasps> I went in. And they did a hysteroscopy and a DNC and put me under in the OR that time as well. And then kept bleeding because there was a ton of placenta. At you... that point, like, the uterus had contracted back down, and they could actually see. Because I guess, like, the issue when you're when they're first born is, like, your uterus You're's is so, so big. big they can't and then really when it's, see. like, contracting down, it's, like waves and so like the placenta can get lost in like the waves of your mm, uterus as it's especially so, if it's just membranes yeah so they couldn't see it but then at the five week mark they could definitely see a bunch of it so they went in and scraped it again yeah well so it you've was been bleeding hysteron- have you been bleeding the whole time the whole five weeks yes but they told you that was normal. I bled six weeks. So. Yeah, it was different, though, this time. And I had emailed my doctor, and I was like, you know, this doesn't seem to be slowing down. It seems to be getting worse. So she had actually, mm. before the secondary postpartum hemorrhage, had ordered an ultrasound because we're like, something's probably not right. So it, we just hadn't had it yet. Wow. So that just sped things up a bit. Yeah, it's a little bit faster. <laughs> wow. Okay, so were they able to get the bleeding stopped at five weeks? You know, they were hoping. So they oh. got, went in, got it all out, and then I continued to bleed. So... It was a few weeks after that, they went in and did another DNC hysteroscopy. So now you've had three DNCs. Yeah. Okay. And then continued bleeding. <laughs> and then... What? At like the six-month mark, it was just before six months, I ended up having to have a total hysterectomy because I was still what? bleeding. You were bled for seven months. Yes. It was a Oh, lot. Julie. Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry. That is, wow, a total hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. At 30 years old. How do you feel? I have had a lot of ups and downs with it. So I'm glad it's over, done with. I'm not bleeding anymore. I feel like I can finally get back to normal activity. So, um, wow. The emotional aspect of, like, I, we, we had decided we were done having our own kids, which was, very, very good because this would have been so much harder had I planned on having more kids or if we even weren't sure just to have the option taken away would have Completely, made this yeah. awful, awful. But there has been a lot of emotions tied to it that I didn't really expect. Like so, what? Just losing your fertility. I hate, like, I really don't like having the option taken away. Because, I mean, not that you wanted to have more babies, but but now it's against, it's not in your control. So that's annoying. Do yeah. you miss your period though? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, we are not very far out you from made, surgery. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, you made up for it. You had an entire lifetime worth of periods in seven months, right? I did. I bled for a long time. So oh. I'm really, really, really thrilled to not be having that right now. But it's also been so recent. It's only been, it's been less than two months since I oh had this gosh. surgery. And the babies are seven months old now. So, <laughs> So speaking of that... Do you know what caused the complications? So after the birth, they my doctor came in and told me that it was uh, placenta accreta that kind of caused the hemorrhage. So that's where like the placenta sticks or grows through the uterus. And there's different levels of it. But it's actually like I didn't realize how dangerous it was at the time. But she comes in and she's like, you can't have any more kids. I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like a lot of women hemorrhage after birth. Like, Oh, we'll this see. wasn't just any regular hemorrhage. So your your uterus had grown. I mean, your the placenta had grown through the walls of the uterus yeah. and kind of become married to it. Yes. So that's why it couldn't attach. Yes. Okay. So you're, the, it became one with your uterus. Yeah. And then what she was able to get out was very fragmented. And that's why so. it was so dangerous. And so you ended yeah. up, because they couldn't end up ever separating it completely. And mm-hmm. so that's why you kept bleeding and bleeding and bleeding yep. and bleeding and bleeding. So, but a hysterectomy, you have to do, did they take your ovaries as well? They left my ovaries. They took my uterus and the tubes. Mm-hmm. And then because of the twins and the way they were facing and just all of the trauma and stuff to my uterus and having four babies, I ended up with a total prolapse. So the surgery was like almost six hours. What What's a prolapse? When your uterus starts falling, so it's not in the right place, mm-hmm. and a bladder prolapse, and that's where your bladder's not in the right place anymore. So they had oh, to go in okay. at the same time and, like, tack everything where it goes. To do some major reconstructive surgery? Yeah, so it was a long surgery. It was by far the longest surgery I've ever had, and the recovery was awful. Oh, dear. It was not what I was prepared for at all. Wow. So do you... um. You still, your ovaries still produce hormones, or did you have to now do hormone replacement? I've been doing estrogen, mm-hmm. and I don't think it'll be a forever thing, but we'll see. Wow. So how about your husband? Like, what has this done to your relationship? How has the, <laughs> do I dare go there? Oh, poor guy. He's <laughs> put up with a lot, because I did yeah. time on bed rest for, like, one when I was pregnant, so he was, like, picking up all of the slack, and then having multiple surgeries after they were born, he just had to keep picking up all of my slack, like things that I would normally do with the kids. He had to take over on everything. So, and then bleeding for seven months, like that was great for the sex life. <laughs> I'm sure that was super bonding. Yeah, it was. Oh my gosh. And then, yeah, so that we're, we're relearning. <laughs> yeah. I just, um, here I am being completely inappropriate and projecting again, but like, what did your dads think about all this? What did they like? What kind of, are you still close to them? Did they, were they there the whole time or? They were super sweet. They always like send text messages and say they're thinking of me and stuff like that. But they're, they're, they're busy with their babies too. And they're Mm -hmm. doing parenthood and stuff. Like, I know they're very thankful for what I did and like, they've never hidden that. So yeah, for sure. That's nice. But have you gotten to see the babies? Oh yeah. I see them usually like once a week. Sometimes more, sometimes less, but Very we see them cool. quite a bit. So as they grow up, what are you called? I don't know what I'm going to be called. Currently, Julie. Uh-huh. But I'm, I'm assuming that's yeah, probably how Yeah, just culturally, what do you, like, we're so enlightened, us young millennials, <laughs> we're super enlightened. And so I'm just wondering, like, what we call. I called them my belly buddies. Belly buddies. But, because <laughs> I was like, they didn't have names until after they were born. So I'm like, I don't know what to call you. So they were, they were the belly buddies. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Cool. 
So it's still really, really fresh for you. It, it is it is still very new and I'm still processing so many things with it. This is the first time I've like really said the story even to somebody. So really? I'm having a lot of like some days I'll feel really good about things and then other days I'm a lot more down about things. So kind of comes and goes and yeah and we'll I don't know how it'll be in a year from now mm-hmm. and things like that so it, it's just new and it's not how I like the the journey itself was beautiful and I wouldn't change that I'm still glad I did it even with everything that happened after I am still very very happy that I did this and that I did this with this family I wouldn't have wanted to no do it regrets. with anybody else but it is not how I envisioned it going into surrogacy when I was viewing the end result it was not mm-hmm. me losing my uterus and having multiple surgeries and things like that. Forever so, changed. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm still happy about it, but at the same time, it's, there's so many other emotions that have gone along with it, but the babies are awesome. It's been so fun watching the dads interact with them and their family is beautiful. And yeah. that's been, that's been awesome. So what would you say to somebody? What would you say to your younger self or somebody thinking about surrogacy? Definitely even don't jump into it. Wait for the right family because this this wouldn't have been worth it had it not been for the right family. Mm. So anybody else but them, I I think I would be having much different emotions than I am. So wait for the right family and make sure it's really, really a good fit for both people. Like they deserve the parents deserve the journey just as much as the surrogate does. So it needs That's to be positive point. for everybody. Yeah. So and be done with your own family because <laughs> this really would have been that a lot would have worse. Been and so hard. We've got like surrogacy groups online, and it's not uncommon to hear of a surrogate losing her fertility after doing IVF or a surrogate having to use a surrogate in the future if she decides to grow her own family. So make sure that your We're family done is done before building somebody else's family. Wow. Julie, thank you so much. Thanks for, for being having me. So open. I mean, I think that. I feel so honored to listen to your story, especially if you have not shared it. <laughs> so way to share your story first time, nation- nationwide podcast. <laughs> but thank you so much for your your being so candid and, and for telling us the details of the nitty gritty details. And um, man, your babies and your family are so, so, so blessed. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Please visit us at birthcircle.com, join our Facebook groups, or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience. And thank you to LaunchPod Media, who produces these podcasts.